Well, uh, glad you glad you dialed into this one because we uh, this is going to be the most sensational two-edged sojourner ever. I mean, we have a public retraction to make. Um, I said something wrong. I got to own that. Um, I dissed Nick publicly. Uh, oh. I need to apologize. And then we have open rebuke and open yeah. challenge. Royal Rumble. Uh, this is going to be big. So stay tuned. So starting off with uh, the public uh, diss, I basically, at some point, when did I do this? About a week ago. Um, uh, it's, it's, I've just been catching up on some of the podcasts. So the Forte one. The Forte one. Whenever we talked about Forte with my brother, I basically called Nick a flake. Yeah, half-hearted. Half-hearted Baptist, not a real. Yeah, the, an open membership church. Yeah. So what did I... So basically, I said, um, I think Andrew was saying something along the lines of he likes the idea of open membership. And I was like, that's kind of like Nick. He's also a flake. Yeah, you said, you know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Not only does he refuse to cancel his appointments. Right. Uh, endorses right. open membership. You know, it's, it's becoming it's... a little absurd. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so I've got to, I've got to, I, Nick confronted me about this. Uh, I'm now taking this opportunity to, brother, I'm sorry if I uh, offended you. And, um, and I am I was coming... very offended, but I received your apology. All right. And I'm on, on air now retracting that you are a flake. You're not, you're actually the very opposite. <laughs> you're like the true Baptist guy. You're the, yeah. I, if anything, I was the one who was compromising there with my willingness to, <laughs> Bring in a Presbyterian year in there if if uh, we were in a like post apocalyptic setting and a dystopian future and we were the only true church, um, <laughs> but but uh, you wouldn't do it at that point. You would still no. not allow the Presbyterian to be a, a member. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I mean, I just wanted to pick up on a few points that you guys were discussing. I think it's a it's a vital topic. Yeah. Um, so we're getting I, into my own background. My my own background is open membership. Right. And um, I read John Bunyan. I read John Piper. Mm-hmm. I was very sympathetic with the approach. Went to an went to an island that was ninety nine percent Anglican, mm-hmm. and I changed my mind. <laughs> right. And uh, becoming reformed, I've only you know become more entrenched. And uh, there were just a couple of comments that I thought I would like to uh, sort of comment on. Mm-hmm. So the first one was Andre's point about you know baptism shouldn't be a defining doctrine around which church fellowship forms. Right. You know, there are more important doctrines to to form your fellowship around. So that by the way, first... we're into the open open challenge now, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, right, so uh, and is... it's it's I mean it's just to just a just a pushback, you know, just to defend it's a challenge. Old, it's it's a public challenge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, the first one was, you know, fellowship being revolving around the doctrine of baptism, you know, surely we can find a better doctrine to form our fellowship around all right now you're jumping into this thing too quick if someone hasn't if someone hasn't heard what andre said you have to just give a quick synopsis there okay so so that i think the two things that i would have picked up on that i wanted to comment on was firstly that that andre basically you know coming from an open membership and a sympathetic point of view said look there are more, there are, you know, what should we form our membership of the church around? Baptism is probably one of the least likely doctrines that we should be yeah. putting it in the center. Let's rather yeah. have the gospel. Let's rather have covenant theology. Let's rather have two kingdoms. Those were some of the options that we yes, put forward. Yes, 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 good. Um, and so baptism would seem to be a very unlikely 
right? Uh, and he said, around um, which fellowship should rotate. And I think one of the big reasons for that, from what I remember, it was just, uh, you know, he let a Presbyterian preach, you know, yes. for example. So how could he do yeah. that if? And that wasn't... was the second thing. It's you know, okay. he raised the point. He said, you know, if if I'm willing to let a Presbyterian preach in my pulpit, mm -hmm. then surely I can let them become a member in my pulpit because sharing the word from the pulpit is more important than. You know the pleb in, in the who's a member. Yeah, yeah. And so I mean, just I've been thinking about those points, and uh, you know, I've sort of calmed myself right down. I've uh, <laughs> confessed the sin of anger, and uh, yeah, yeah. now I'm ready to rationally engage. Okay, right. I'm I'm, I'm just glad I'm I'm mediating, and I'm not the the guy on the other end of this. I'd be in trouble. Yeah. So I mean, just the first point. Uh, you know. Is the doctrine of baptism was it was it essentially put forward as a secondary or even a tertiary level doctrine around which we should, you know, decide what fellowship you know who's in the fellowship and who's not in the fellowship, mm -hmm. and and I thought that was probably a wrong way to think or approach it. Mm -hmm. So uh, and and so here's the way that my thinking goes: membership should never be separated from baptism. Right. You can't say membership apart from baptism mm -hmm. in the early church there was no such thing as membership there was only baptism right that's and a good point membership was implied in baptism baptism is the is the overarching thing that had a whole bunch of things in it it was mm. your initiation ceremony it was your membership it was probably your public confession of faith it was the, <clears throat> the it was your the day you would have looked back to is the, the time that you were born again received the spirit believed etc etc and um so what's happened uh, in the, the, the 20 centuries since the first century is baptism and membership have become separated. Right. And so now what's happened is they've drifted far apart, which is illegitimate. And now what we've done is we've said, well, let's let people become members without baptism. Mm. And that's just, it's, it's the cart before the horse. Now, one thought I had about that, just um, sort of aside from, from the conversation with Andre, um, is just, you know, I, what I've tried to do, and I'm sort of on the same page as you are there, I'm just thinking, you know, it does talk about they were baptized and added, you know, so the yes. idea being there's a sort of a formal inclusion of some sort uh, beyond baptism. Yeah. And I thought the reason why that might be important is because, you know, people get baptized once and find it'd be great if you sort of stayed in your congregation your whole life and that was it. Yeah. But, you know, typically, you, you know, you're not always going to be baptized at the place you're becoming a member of or being formally added to. Let's put it that way. So it might be that baptism at some level. Needs well, then to that's be... where the letters of recommendation come in. Yes, good. So that's kind of uh, something else, you know. So it's just worth yeah, saying that as well. Church, you know, hands over the shepherding responsibilities to another church. Right. There's ne there, there shouldn't be such a thing as a churchless Christian. No. And, and the thing is, at that level, whatever that looks, I mean, no one's obviously we're not arguing that there was any particular Word document or, you know, Excel spreadsheet or, you know, around th throughout the church's history uh, to create yeah. this membership role. But there was, at some, there's, there's, you know, what they did with that letter of recommendation, who knows, you know, maybe they took it before the church and, and there was some, some sense in which people knew, okay, these people are now added, you know, they're in. And they yeah, knew, sure. basically, they knew who was in. And who was out? And I suppose the more organic, natural, initial approach would be via baptism. Thereafter, whatever means, yeah. you know, yeah. Exactly. I mean, that's and that's the importance of denominations, interchurch fellowship, communication, mm -hmm. even across denominational lines. That you actually, you know, if someone new comes to your church, phone the pastor of the church they've come from. Mm -hmm. You know, 
get a get some of the background, hear the testimony, hear mm. about their baptism, their, their 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 service. So I mean, that's just healthy church engagement, isn't For sure. it? That's Absolutely. how we, we bring yeah. people up. They don't come in as a blank slate. They have a background. But they again, have a they have. Yeah. separating baptism from membership and all that <clears throat> is part of the dilapidation process. As I'd say, even on those on those um, issues as well. Exactly. Yeah. And so just just so my first point is this: is that if we're striving for the biblical ideal. We should be trying to get, so just like we have, you know, we worship on the Lord's Day. Why? Because the church did. You know, yeah. we have, we, we're striving for weekly communion. Why? Because the church did. Yeah. You know, we want to uh, baptize by immersion. Why? Because the church did. We mm -hmm. want to add people to the church by baptism. Mm. Why? Because the church did. Right. And so what we've done is we've allowed um, an unideal situation to develop and we've created a new theology mm -hmm. that. That has, you know, it's, it's sort of, we're so far away from the ideal. Let's not even try and get back to it. Let's just separate what, what, what you know, we've, man has separated what God has put together. Right, right. I like <laughs> and, it. And, and, and once you've separated it, you know, mm. then you can do all sorts of things with it. Yeah. Um, we could, yeah. if, and so, yeah, so that's, so that's the first thing that, that struck me is it's just a wrong headed approach to conceive of membership apart from baptism. Yeah, yeah. The second thing I wanted to say in response to the first point about whether baptism should be the central thing around which fellowship forms is that it's not just a doctrine that we lay at the center that we decide to rally around. It's actually what defines the visible church. Yeah. So it's it's not just uh, so you can't choose. Okay, let's put justification in the middle. Let's put the deity of Christ in the middle. Let's put the Trinity in the middle. Mm. Baptism doesn't have that role. Mm. If we if we measure it against other doctrines, sure, it's not as important. Mm -hmm. But it's actually the thing that Jesus gave to the church to define the visible church. In right. The world. So you don't get to choose whether it's important or not. Mm. Jesus mm. gave it as the as, as the identifying mark of defining the visible church from, um, off from the world. Yeah. Yeah. And. Um, so that's that's the other thing that yeah, I want to Yeah, it has about. its own exclusive value in that sense. Yeah, exactly. Totally, so yeah. It, it, why has the church, you know, rallied around baptism? And I think it's because it recognizes that this is the thing that Jesus gave as the authenticating mark, mm. yeah. which sets you apart as a disciple of Christ. And you don't get to negotiate that. Yeah, you don't get to decide that that's not how we're going to be disciples today. You know, if you approach something like head coverings. Mm -hmm. We would say, well, you know, head coverings was a cultural expression of male headship and a way in which a wife showed her submission. You know, and if you had gone to India, you would have found a wife with a dot on her forehead. It's mm -hmm. a diff just a different cultural thing. And now that we're 20 centuries away from baptism, we're just going to have a different cultural expression of our discipleship and how we define the visible church. You don't get the right to do that. Yeah, Baptism is, cannot be equated with something like head coverings. It's the thing that Jesus gave. And when you become a disciple, it's marked out. The initiating ceremony is baptism. Mm. And so to be a follower of Christ is to be a baptized believer. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, for, for us to downplay it because it's not as important as justification by faith because it's not part of the gospel mm. is irrelevant mm. because that's, that's, not, that's not the way in which we decide what's important. Mm. Jesus gave it as the thing which makes us visibly the church. And so we have to, we have to continue to, to, to insist on its importance from that point of view. Mm. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's good. I mean, I think uh, I think I did say something along the lines of you know the thing about a Baptist position, and, and really echoing exactly what you've said there, is that yeah. to make an open membership arrangement is in some sense to fundamentally deny your your own, you know, the the the, the essence of your position, you know, because uh, your whole yeah. conviction rests on that idea, and um, and so it might sound like a good sort of widening process, but it's. 
you know you that's the entirety of it right there so exactly. you know you don't you don't I mean, I, I can I can see how a Presbyterian would allow Baptists. You know, I can yeah. totally. That, that's not going to break the system. I think you, you also made the comment to Andre that you know membership is not the way in which we include the whole of the invisible church. Yes, yes. There's 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 the local church, the visible church level that we have to honor, which is what baptism regulates. Yes. So, baptism, the Lord's Supper, and church discipline all have to do with the identity the identity of the visible and local church. Hmm. We don't mm. allow every Christian who's part of every other church to become the member of our church because we're trying to honor the reality of the invisible church. Yeah. No. No. We're trying to define the local and visible church, and we do that through things like baptism, yeah. Lord's Supper, and church discipline. And, and your conscience there is going to be the thing that brings you guys to, you know, that brings the Baptist sort of congregation together. I mean, you know, that's the thing that's uh, the reason for dom- denominations at that level. Uh, but there are other ways to honor the lo- the, the universal church, you know, or the um, that church that is larger than a denomination or, or local body. So yeah. you know, and that that I think allowing preachers that are not of your exact ilk is one way to do that. Yep, that's one way. Yeah. And so I mean, let's 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 bring it uh, around to the second point then, which has to do with you know, is is it an inconsistency to allow someone of another denomination? who's not even baptized as you understand a baptized person to be to preach in your church. Mm-hmm. And uh, let me let me first address the issue of the table and then I'll address the issue of preaching. I would say yes it is inconsistent. Okay. Yeah. If I could have my ideal, <clears throat> yes. I would insist that every Christian should be baptized mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and that every Christian who partakes at the table ought to be baptized by believers baptism because that's what I understand the scriptures to be teaching. Mm-hmm. And in the same way that I would expect every preacher who handles the word of God faithfully to see that and to have submitted himself to it as a as a faithful believer. Mm-hmm. But so here is here is where I have allowed a little wiggle room. Okay. So I don't believe that I have the right to 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 <clears throat> negotiate whether baptism is allowed to define the visible church in terms of marking off believers from the world. But then uh, moving to the table, this is so you got to. Cho- it's almost as if you got to choose your inconsistency as you you try and deal with the unideal situation as you move towards the ideal. Right. So we're not we're not compromising on the ideal, but we're also recognizing that we're nowhere near it, and so we, we're trying to allow a little wiggle room as we move towards that ideal. And what we've done is we've created an open table mm-hmm. as a way of seeking to honor the reality that. Those who have different convictions to us uh, on the issue of baptism, whose consciences are bound uh, mm-hmm. by their understanding of the Word of God, we want to recognize their faith and, and show that they are in fellowship with us by an invitation to the table. Mm. Yeah, um, true. So th- there's the charity, there's the love, there's the inconsistency, there's there's where we <laughs> there's where we're not trying to be overly pedantic. So I think you mentioned and that's, um, where Mark, that's where Mark Dever and I would disagree. Right. Would so what, what position did Mark Dever uh, take again? Mark Dever's got a closed table. Right. Okay. And that was the but, thing. Yeah. But he allows Ligon to preach. Yes. Okay. So there's. The... I'm slightly. I'm slightly different to Mark Dever. Okay. Well, I think it definitely helps to allow an open table and then someone to preach. I mean, that's yeah. that's really. I should have just actually said that. Now, looking back on that conversation, I mean, that's really. That's a way, fundamentally, to allow for the yeah. wider body sort of idea as well. But, um, you know, I suppose you are in a slightly deeper inconsistency if, if you are closing that table off um, and then allowing 
allowing someone to preach. But I suppose what you could say is exactly the same thing in that, you know, everyone's got to draw the line somewhere and uh, yep. you just, it's really a matter of defining local and then global or universal or whatever. Um, yeah. It's a matter and of again, juggling. And I think what Mark, De- yeah, what Mark Deaver would say is that Ligon is in full submission to his own local church. Yes, that was the thing. There's no disobedience within his own congregation. Right. So he's not right. coming as a rebel. Yes, um, that's key. And uh, so, you know, there's everything's done decently and in order. It may not be to yeah. our liking. Yeah, and that's uh, why the thing is... All boxes are getting ticked. Yeah, and, and that's why the Lord of the Conscience thing is so important for me because, you know, if, that, if he was a rebel within his own uh, denomination or local church, let's put it that way, um, you know, that would show that it really wasn't a matter of a, a conscience alignment thing. You know, he's not... Uh, but but the faithful um, uh, attendance and submission to that local church with different convictions under the Lordship of Christ, uh, according to their conscience, um, makes it something that you know you have to you have to be okay with you know at some level. Yeah. Um, and so uh, you know you you have to find some way of showing unity. You know, one way or another. Exactly. If it's not allowing the guy to preach. Um, you know, you have to find other ways, I think. I think that is obligatory. Well, here's, here's another example. So there's, I mean, there's a couple of areas where we've had to negotiate. So should anyone but members serve in your church? Should mm. you allow non-members to be on the worship team? Should you allow non-members to distribute the elements? Should you allow non-members to be Sunday school teachers? Mm-hmm. Should you allow non-members to the table? Should you allow non-members to preach? Mm-hmm. Um, and we've had to say elder-approved people <clears throat> can. <laughs> yeah. Um, there we go. So we recognize that people aren't where, they, where, where we would like them to be, mm-hmm. but we try and do some due diligence in terms of interviewing them, making sure they are, apart from one or two issues, fit for the task and are mm-hmm. not going to bring you know, the name of Christ down. Mm-hmm. And upon the basis of eldership approval, mm-hmm. we uh, allow them to serve in various roles that ideally we would like to see members serving. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I like that. I, th- I would agree totally, 100%. Yeah. Anyway, so to summarize all of that, Nick said Andrea was a dum dum, dum dum. So <laughs> it's on, it's on, baby. Yeah, not at all. I mean, it's a completely understandable thing, and I think it's as I've grown in my appreciation of the marks of the church and just the significance of baptism that I've had to really tighten up yeah. and and try to be consistent where where I have to be. And I think defining the visible church is is one area where I don't get the right to smudge the lines. The in-house issue of who comes to the table, you know, that's that's a different thing. But, uh, yeah. If you're listening to this, Andrea, you also have to understand that Nick's gone through some trauma, you know, in his whole process. Um, <laughs> I mean, firstly, he got rebuked directly from Jim Renahan, like oh, 100%. Yes. You know, I'm he's been earning his way back into good books ever since. <laughs> so he's trying over here. You got to understand that. And then number two, number two, he's been on an island for a long time. I mean, when I when I found Nick after the island, uh, he didn't even believe in membership. So you know, it's yeah. been a, it's been a road. It's been a journey. It's exactly. been a traumatic exactly. one. I, I feel privileged. I've been able to witness a lot of it, and uh, I, I like where you've it's had, going. You've had, you've had you've had the opportunity of saying, "I told you so" several times. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so sometimes it just feels like you're in a you know it's like where's the popcorn you just need to sit back and relax and enjoy this thing you know it's it's all going by so quickly um but yeah i mean who else who else you used to do the open membership thing who else currently i mean sorry not open um 
yeah, open membership, right? That's what we're talking about. The, yeah. You'd have a, 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 like a, you know, someone who disagreed on the particular issue of baptism. Um, yes. You would have them actually be part of your membership. So who else like is out there that does that? Uh, in the form well, back. we've got a few churches in our fellowship that have. Open yeah, membership. it seems to be a bit of a drift these days. I mean, like in Acts twenty nine, it's 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 one hundred percent the norm. You know, um, you'll be kind of you're, you're you're an obtrusive character if you if you've uh, drawn the line there because it's it's considered a non essential and you know. So obviously, I'm I'm already quite on the extreme side there in that camp. Um, but yeah, it's, it was interesting to me to see even in our own. Reformed Baptist Fellowship, we've had a few concessions on this and people moving into yeah. that in that direction. So, you know, that probably needs to be said as well. It's definitely not, it hasn't been something that's ripped us apart, you know, as no. a as a fellowship of Reformed Baptists. Uh, we're all pretty, you know, well, at least thought to be sort of um, fairly, you know, foolish in our subscriptionism. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so... You know, if you've got that level of variance, even within the fellowship. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, you know, just Mark Deva, just one or two of his comments. You know, one of the things he says is, you know, your members are def- are, are defending the Constitution. Mm. You know, that's it's not only an eldership thing. It's a membership thing. Mm. And so your members have to agree with the Constitution, which includes things like mm. who can be an elder, who can be a member, yeah. what the role of baptism is, its yeah. importance. Um, <clears throat> they're going to be called on to defend that constitution mm. in their voting, and so you know you want to have as much agreement as possible. Yeah, on key issues. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, and the thing, you know, I suppose you could work the constitution out to agree on you know whatever position you're taking. But I think for me, the thing is, and I said this to Andrea as well, is the like because it's 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 such a what is the word? It's it's kind of like a bit of a camouflaged theological point i think sometimes because you know everyone it's it's all on the baptism thing but really when you when you pull on that thread uh, it is just in every single doctrine and it's going to affect drastically the way that you approach not only matters of uh, ecclesiology obviously but then as that flows outwards in mission and uh your your cooperation with other other denominations in um, cultural engagement definitely in um and then you know means uh, your view of the means of grace means of grace i mean it it even flows like into you know some pretty heavy i mean obviously like key soteriological issues and you know your reading of redemptive history and so yeah no it's um like I've, I've definitely felt, you know, it's almost like one of those, if you can just agree on the baptism thing, that even if you haven't figured it out yet, you've actually agreed on so much, uh, which is why it is cleverly one of those watershed things to join on, yeah. uh, even aside what you said earlier in that, you know, we don't really even have the luxury to, to make that call. But, um, you know, it, it just so happens that it is quite a unifying point. I mean, it, it, the fact that Baptists are even a thing, is kind of testimony to that, right? Because, I mean, we were saying then, I mean, like, think about the Baptist Union and how horribly diverse it is, you know, or the Southern Baptists or, you know, any any sort of Baptist thing. I mean, you've got just ridiculous amounts of diversity right off the charts. And um, and, and yet somehow, I mean, the, the point of baptism must be big enough just to glue people together at, at, at the level that it can keep ticking as long as it has. And it has, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, just the, the present Baptist Union of New Zealand, I mean, they're, they're trying to define what it means to be a Baptist. Right. But, um, and I actually heard one or two very encouraging comments from the president of the seminary mm-hmm. um, about baptism and membership. I mm-hmm. thought he was, he was 
on the money. <clears throat> but generally speaking, most Baptists don't really fully appreciate why they're Baptists. Mm. Um, it, it wouldn't be a, a distinctive that they are convinced on mm. and have a deep theology on. Mm. So they're, they're Baptists by mistake or by default or by tradition mm. rather than by conviction. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, and then I, I still, you know, I just wish, like I wish everyone was just Baptist so we could call ourselves something else. <laughs> that's so, what i wish, I yeah. wish it and look, when, we, when we gave a new name to our church we called ourselves covenant grace baptist church and we you know we wrestled do we yeah. keep the word baptist and we have to say well look we have to yeah because it's true we want to tell people what we're about yeah. we want to broadcast that we think it's an important distinctive and you know we're gonna we're gonna deliberately keep it when we had the opportunity to just drop it and go covenant grace mm. you know which is so much easier and rolls off the tongue nicely but we, i do think though because baptist the, the, the actual term has been so attached to a denomination of sort, you know, like either, you know, it probably to be Baptist is, you know, you're either going to be that independent fundamentalist church or yeah. you're going to be part of the union, which is like, a or, blue you know, part of the 1689 crowd. Well, I mean, yeah, that's not normally the case though. Right. Uh, it, well, well, it's 1689. It's, it's a Baptist confession. It's, yeah. I it's what marks it's, it's, it's six, 1689 Baptist confession. Well, it isn't. It isn't though. That's the thing. It's got nothing to do with the Baptist Union. If you trace out the history, London Baptist Confession. Yeah, but what they mean is, and this is my point. You know, any any meaningful, yeah. I mean, so either you got to take the view that they are just another strand of Baptist denomination that's been pretty small, and you know, whatever. But what I don't like about doing uh, 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 the reason I don't like doing that is because. Um, it, it sort of pulls the the whole thinking into the wrong category because if you look at, at its history, it doesn't come from that. You've got the General yeah. Baptists that emerged in a certain way and at a certain trajectory, and they you know had that diversity from the beginning and all the way from the Anabaptists essentially. Whereas, I think what we've I guess how we approached it is we said, look, Baptist has at least four hundred years of history. It's it is a word that can be historically rooted and redeemed yeah. Yeah. when properly explained. That's true. And yeah. so it's not like a culturally determined word that just drifts free from its moorings. It is something that we can root historically yeah. Yeah. and defend historically and define historically. Yeah. And so it's worth keeping for That's that true. reason. So what I'm saying is I wish that the sixteen eighty nine guys went with something like well, I suppose they didn't well, they said what the strict in particular Baptists. They should have gone with something like later on. They should have gone with this, the, um, something, what's a super Presbyterian thing to say? Like, I don't know, the Presbyterian <laughs> Credo Baptists. Do you know what I mean? Something like, something along those well, lines. The congregational, see, that's congregationalists. Well, let's um, say, let's say the, um, because you had the Savoy in between, you see, it went, yeah, but I'm trying to, Baptist, I'm trying to bring through the Baptists elder rule. Are basically, in the shadow and on the tail of congregationalists, not Presbyterians. Yeah. Well, that's true. That's true. But, Within that congregationalism, you ended up with kind of an independent Presbyterianism with the elder rule thing. You know, you've really got an emphasis on the presbyteron, you know. Um, and so it's kind of like if you just, if you, or, you know, choose something else, a congregational credo Baptist. I like yep. that too. Or covenantal. Well, that's exactly what, covenantal that's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. The Calvinistic congregational. Puritan congregationalist credo, credo Baptist. <laughs> the 3C church. Yes. Congregational Calvinist. <laughs> 4C, Calvinito. Go for cessationist, 5C. <laughs> oh, man. And complementarian, 6Cs. Call it the 6Cs. Yeah. Let's call ourselves the sexy church. 
<laughs> sexy church. Um, we need we need seventh though, bro. We're two. I mean, the the sixth thing is just Mark the Baptist. Confessional. You know? Seven. Oh, so what do we got? The confessional, credo, cessationist, Calvinistic, Calvinistic, covenantal. We need one more. Confessional. I started off with confessional. Did you? I think so. Anyways, we've taken this thing as far as it can go. There we go. <laughs> uh, hopefully that spells out, uh, you know, the feeling, <laughs> the feeling that we all have. <laughs> Seven is a perfect number, so we must we we must have got it right. We must have got it right. Yeah, and 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 more important than the issue of uh, you know talking about who belongs to the church is you got to actually go to church. Right. I was, I was I thought you were going to say you got to get baptized. <laughs> <laughs> It's a bit of a letdown, but it's good. Go to church. It's good. Um, is that it, Nick? We're done? That's it. That's a wrap. Oh, that's a wrap. Mm-hmm.